This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, Dr. Squatch, and by the Sins in Law Group. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends. This is another edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We are coming to you after a disappointing Blackhawks game against the Nashville Predators. I'm James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago here to break it all down, of course, with the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score of the I'm Fat Podcast and the newest member of the Apple Computer Fraternity. I did not make <laughs> that up. Jay bought a MacBook. Everyone say how happy they are for him in three, two, one. That sound you heard was a bunch of people giving you the middle finger and calling you a rich bastard or something. How wow. you doing, Jay? I'm doing well. Hey, look, man, I'm committed to making the podcast sound as good as it can can sound and, and be as productive as I can be with the podcast. So there, bite me. It is a business expense. You just write it off. That's how it works. <laughs> the government will pay for it, damn it. Anyway, welcome in. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I bought a new laptop earlier this year, too, and same thing. You know, write off. It's good times. You know, you need yeah. the technology to let our uh, stupid opinions go out uh, over the internet i That's guess right. we wouldn't want to deprive any one of our hot takes uh for for five minutes so hawks lose <laughs> five two and i guess every game from here on out is the biggest game of the year and it sucks we only do post games when they lose it just <laughs> sort of seems to work out that way mm-hmm. but a five two loss things were looking okay three two at the end of two and the hawks were coming on a bit then two goals in the first 41 seconds of the third period and the rest is history uh boy just there's a lot to get to in this one but i said this on twitter and i'm going to say it now what we've seen from the hawks lately is really what they've been all year they're not a very good team they're defensively a sieve and early on in the season it was hidden by extraordinary goaltending and a lethal power play And both of those things, while not bad, have come back to earth a little bit, right? They're sort of average, and I would say a little above average in goal, and probably average on the power play right now. And when those things start to level off, those things that were keeping you in games and winning you games are no longer doing that, and you're seeing the true true Chicago Blackhawks. And, of course, you're down a couple veterans uh, because of the trade deadline. So I'm not making excuses. I just think... This is the reality. This is what the Blackhawks are. And right now they're in sixth place in the Discover's Card Central Division. And that's kind of where we imagine they would be when this whole thing cleared up, right? So look, I this this annoyed me. And there's a lot of things in this game specifically um that we're going to get to because when I watched the start of this game, I saw one team ready to play and I saw one team that wasn't. And I'll let you guess which one was which. 
And it's just, it continues a pattern recently of the Blackhawks playing extremely poorly in the second period of games. And then the Blackhawks somehow managed to overwhelmingly win the the possession battle in the second period. But I would argue they were bad throughout uh, long stretches of that frame. And then, like you said, the 40 seconds to kick off the third period just completely deflated the Blackhawks and ended any hopes they had. And during the game, I tweeted also that I think that even though they're only four points out of that playoff spot, still have the game in hand on Nashville, there is no part of me that actually believes that they're going to be able to do uh, the thing. They're not going to be able to catch the Predators, get past them. They have scored six games this season, Jaden. You know how many goals the Blackhawks have scored against Nashville? Uh, they have scored eight goals in six eight games. Eight goals in six games against the Predators. And then in case any of our listeners need to give a wild guess as to how many of those games the Blackhawks have won, the answer is a whopping zero. Yeah. They have not won a single game against Nashville. They've gotten two points in 12 games. <sighs> Man, it's such a bummer because we wanted them to get the experience. At this point in the season, they're not going to be able to get bad enough to get a good draft pick. We wanted them to have the experience of trying to bite their way into the playoffs. It just it doesn't feel like it's going to happen. No, it sure doesn't. Uh, they've played 46 games. Nashville has played 47 Dallas has played 44. So when you look at uh, those three teams sort of in the race here, Nashville uh, played 47 games. They have 51 points. Dallas has only played 44 games. They have 48 points. The Hawks have played 46 games and have 47 points. So the Hawks have one game in hand on Nashville. Uh, Dallas has two games in hand on the Hawks. And it's just hard to kind of see a path out of this, man. They've got these next two games against Nashville are absolute must win. And if they win both games, they're tied with Nashville in the standings. So, and then they still do have two games left against Dallas at the end of the season too. Right. And Dallas is a team. Remember they are the, def- the defending Western conference champions and uh, they're, you know, they're going to be playing as hard as they can. And what's frustrating is look, we knew this team was not going to be super great this year. We knew that, Right. When they're getting outworked and out hustled and out competed and out coached and out everything in every game, that's when it gets frustrating. And you and I pride ourselves on being positive, right? And of course, there were some positives in this game that we'll get to, but it's just the you can't wait until halfway through the first period to get the engine going. At some point, yeah, you want to blame the players for that, of course. That they're professionals, they need to be ready to go into puck drops. But when it just like we talked about late season collapses under Jeremy Cowton, we're also seeing the new trend of team not ready to play when the game starts in a game this big after splitting a series against Detroit that you needed and should have taken to not be ready to go in this one is shameful. It's really, really disappointing. And I thought that there was no time in the game that was more evident, the lack of preparation and discipline than the start of the third period when they gave up two goals in 41 seconds. That goal, Luke Coonan scored uh, just 41 seconds in, is among the most infuriating I think I've seen from the Blackhawks this season. He was stand- He was probably 10 feet away from Duncan Keith. There was nobody in his zip code. Dude. And I know it was a turnover by Calvin DeHaan that kind of allowed that play to develop, 
But just the fact that you can lose contain on a guy so freaking badly in a game that you absolutely have to win, it's just careless. It's just stupid, and it's something that we've seen far too often from the Blackhawks lately. Their lack of discipline, their lack of consistency, it's to be expected, I guess, with some younger guys. But frankly, there have been a lot of veterans making some kind of boneheaded mistakes of late. And it's just very careless and very unbecoming of veteran hockey players. And it's just become a an epidemic among the Blackhawks that they're going to have those moments in games. And it's incredibly frustrating as a hockey fan to watch a game and to think to yourself with a one-goal deficit that there's no way in hell the team's going to be able to overcome it because they just can't seem to get out of their own damn way right now. How many times did we see during the course of this game <laughs> Nashville forwards with no Hawks defenseman anywhere near them? I kind of forgot that the Blackhawks were even on the ice. It looked like just, you know, practice. <laughs> I know. Just like, oh, hey, here we go. Wee, wee. Oh, it was just so infuriating. And look, I, I know we're, I'm not going to spend every postgame show bitching about the system because clearly it's not going to change. But are, like, are we the only ones seeing this? I know other people like us are seeing this and pointing it out very specifically. Here's what's wrong. Here's why it doesn't work. But Stan Bowman, he's watching the games, right? Like Jeremy Collins watching tape. They can't be thinking like, yep, we're st- we're on the right path here. It's just it's just really really frustrating and I don't know I I I don't want to hmm. like we spent so we early in this year we were praising Jeremy Cowton because he was getting despite what the numbers would show you on paper the efforts were there the Hawks were winning games they probably shouldn't have won out of like just total grit and determination and a great power play and great goaltending right yeah and so he gave him credit but now where's the adjustment where's the improvement this team started off pretty well and has either peaked or regressed pretty much at every position on the ice. The only exception to that is Alex to That's the one guy who all season has been good and got better as the year went on. Everybody else on the roster has regressed. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me which Blackhawk from day one to now has improved this season aside from Alex to I, I would probably say that Adam Boquist has had a largely upward trajectory fair. to That's the way fair. he's been playing yeah. this season. Um, obviously, kind of have to give like incomplete grades to guys like Kirby Doc, who have obviously not been right. in the mix. I'm not going to worry too much about his development this season. It's just kind of a weird year. I'd like to see him get kind of a full uh, season under his belt. But yeah, other than that, I mean, I can't say I can't say Pia Suter has been consistently upward. He's been largely good. I'm not going to sit here and knock his play, obviously. Oh, definitely. Yeah. There are some deficiencies there. Uh, Philip Kurashev, I could probably say the same thing. I would say that Dominic Kubelik is kind of trended more downward than upward, but still not awful. And then you look at guys like uh, Nicholas Bodan, you look at guys like Wyatt Kalnick, it's probably the same thing where the ice time hasn't maybe been consistent enough for them to really show anything, but I still would kind of say, yeah, kind of even. And then, of course, Ian Mitchell, arrow down, I think, with him. Right. Um, But I'm not not to to give up. But again, the consistent theme there is that it's a lot of down. It's not doom and gloom. These guys are always going to suck forever and ever. Amen. But the arrow is very clearly pointed up 
on only probably two of those guys that I just mentioned, and that's Alex DeBrinkit, who you brought up, and then I would probably argue Adam Boquist. So, yeah, that's not great. Yeah, and I, I guess you could throw Kalnick in there, too, because he's improved since coming up. But, again, it's a pretty small sample size. But I think you said it well. It's not like these guys suck, right? Suter, Kurashev. Oh, sorry, Jay, I did forget one guy. Brandon Hagel, arrow pointed up. He, but, see, Hagel's been the same guy all year, right? Like, he But he's had, also a guy that we didn't really expect to do anything, so I would argue sure. that it's all been upward for him. Of course, but what I'm saying is, like, you haven't seen – you would think if in a developmental year – as you watch the games go on, you would see these young players start to get better and take steps. And look, I know part of it is it's a long season. It's a super grind this year compared to other NHL seasons. So for first year players, it's a huge adjustment. All those things are true. I'm not, look, there are a, a million reasons why guys can fall off, but Kurashev, Suter, Kubalik to a lesser extent, these guys have sort of just petered off and if anything sort of faded away again not bad right there i'm not saying they're bad players i just haven't seen like okay wow look Suter looks really good to start the season where's the growth where is the growth coming from and that to me is concerning because that's what the coach is supposed to do right he's supposed to develop well i'm not seeing a ton of development from those sort of guys and look, he gets credit for boquist of course he gets credit for some of the other guys we mentioned but I don't know. I, I just feel like for the last month, it's just been mostly it just it just feels different. And I don't know if it's with expectation. I don't know if it's with, you know, the things we discussed, the goaltending and the power play dropping off a little bit. The condensed schedule starting to kind of catch up with you and teams are able to isolate your uh, strengths and weaknesses a lot easier when well, they're able to play you two and three games in a row too. It, well, exactly. And you're only playing those same teams over and over again. So familiarity is part of it too. Sure. So th yes, there's a lot of factors that go into it. I just, I was hoping at this point we'd see a little more development. I'm not giving, I think all these young players on the Hawks are good. Like I, I believe in Kurashev and Suter. And I think these guys have NHL futures for sure. I'm not giving up on any of these guys, but I just want to see, and we say all the time, development is not linear, and that's true, but I need to see a few more peaks and a few fewer valleys, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think so, and I I guess part of the issue, obviously, we're going to have this season is going to be the temptation not to draw any long-term uh, conclusions based on the fact that the season has been kind of so chaotic and so weird, and a few of the guys that we have mentioned have found themselves on the COVID list, including obviously Debrinkit and then um, Boquist and Bodan. And now obviously with Boquist being out with concussion symptoms as well, that's also going to be an issue. But I, I do think that this does echo the questions that we had about Jeremy Colleton going into the season when all of the talk was about the rebuilding process that the Blackhawks were going to be engaging in. All of our questions had to do with whether or not his reputation as a developer, as a builder, was earned. And it seems so stupid and so, like, it seems almost lazy to say this, but those questions still just remain unanswered, don't they? No, they played sure. 46 freaking hockey games, Jay, and I can't answer that question. And we've seen what now? This is the th I, I lose track. Is this Calton's third season? Like part of a third season? Yeah, right. This is his yeah. like third. I, I believe he got hired to replace Quenville in the 2018-19 season. Yeah, so 
and even with that, I don't really know what he is or what he, you know what I mean? It's, it's hard to get a read on him. And he's had some weird, you know, circumstances. The first year you had, you replaced Joel Quenville. Okay. Uphill battle. You got COVID last year. You've got the COVID shortened season this year. Like there's a lot of excuses and you could say, I want to see him with a full training camp and full 82 games. Fine. Great. Grand. Wonderful. Uh, but just the, the, the trends we've seen from him throughout his tenure as Hawks coach have been late season collapse and P and plateauing or regressing uh, of a lot of important prospects. All right, let's take a quick time out. Uh, we're going to get to some of the news and notes of the game and, and, and spend some time on some of the positives because there were some for sure. But before we do want to tell you about our newest sponsor, Kent Simpson of the Simpson law group after over a decade of prosecuting homicide cases as an assistant Cook County state's attorney, Kent opened his own law firm over 20 years ago, specializing in all forms of personally injury cases, including injuries as a result of accidents involving cars, trucks, motorcycles, bicycles, boats, planes, divvy bikes, jet skis, jet packs. What are those things with that shoot the water out of your feet and you fly through the air? Hover boards. I don't know. Hover jet board things. In the future, it'll he'll cover hoverboard injuries, razor scooters, roller skates, but not inline skates, and buses. Also, construction accidents, nursing home abuse, medical negligence and birth injuries, slip and fall cases, and injuries as a result of hazardous drugs or products. His firm's results speak for themselves, with millions recovered for their clients. Simpson Law Group charges no fees unless they win for you. So, call for a free consultation, 312 312- Three three two two one zero seven, or visit SinsonLawGroup.com. Don't go off sides. Go top shelf. Call now. SinsonLawGroup.com. Sinson is spelled S-I-N-S-O-N. We'll be right back to wrap this bad boy up on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast postgame show. My name is Jay Zawoski. James Naveau is out there in Bourbon A, being handsome, doing what he does. Actually, he's at work tonight. He is uh, working for NBC, working his ass off. So we always appreciate James taking time out from his work schedule to do a podcast because he's unprofessional. Really Entirely. bad. Really horrible commitment to the gig. Uh, before we get to the positives and observations from this game, I want to give you guys a heads up. A lot of you, and I'm so thankful, picked up my book this fall, this winter, uh, but I haven't had a chance to sign it for a lot of you guys because COVID did not allow me to have book signings, obviously. Well, that's changing. This Saturday at 1 p.m., I'm going to be at the Bookies store in Homewood, 2015 Ridge Road in Homewood, Illinois, from 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock p.m., I'll be signing copies of my book. So come by. If you've already bought the book, you can bring it by and get it signed there. The people at Bookies are fine with that. 
I'm going to encourage you since you're going to this business, you're taking advantage of what they're providing that you at least buy something from the people at bookies. And there is so much to offer. It is independent bookstore day and I'm happy to represent my friends at bookies. So again, Saturday, 1 PM at bookies in Homewood, 2015 Ridge road. I'll be signing copies of my book, the big 50, the men in moments that made the Chicago Blackhawks. So come by support a great local business and get your book signed. And I will greatly, I'll be really happy to see everybody out there because it will really be the first signing I've done since my book came out in September, which is just crazy. So uh, really looking forward to seeing everybody come out. If you're, if you, if you're driving, you want that information, it is the pinned tweet on my Twitter account at jayzawaski670. And I also retweeted it from the Madhouse account as well. And I'll be reminding people as the week goes on. Okay, couple things. Before the game, uh, Brandon Hagel announced, uh, he did not announce, but the Blackhawks announced that Brandon Hagel would not play. He is awaiting the results of a COVID test. So we don't really know what that means. All we know is he was unavailable in this game. And uh, they miss Brandon Hagel every night. I think he's become such an integral part of what the Hawks do well. So that mm-hmm. was tough. Uh, I think I'll also point out this is the second time he's been on the COVID list. The first time he was on it for a whopping one day. Yeah. So we honestly don't know how long. I mean, it could be they had an inconclusive test, had to run it again. He might test negative. We obviously will know more tomorrow. Yeah, hopefully uh, he's not going to miss much more time because they need him out there. He is one of their most effective and consistent players. In, in multiple areas, too, you miss his speed. You miss his occasional uh, contributions physically. He has been scoring more lately. He was really struggling to put the puck in the net early in the season. And obviously the Blackhawks scoring eight goals in six games against the Nashville Predators need all of the deep, the offense that they can get. And losing Hagel in that way is definitely a big blow for them. It did open up an opportunity for Adam Gaudet to kind of move up the lineup a little bit tonight. He started out the game on the top line for the Blackhawks and did end up having an assist in what was his first game with Chicago. Yeah, two shots on goal, two more shot attempts. Uh, charged with a giveaway, but assisted on David Camp's goal, his first goal. And what did you say? 49 games? 49 games, I believe it was, for a David Camp without a goal. Also won 13 out of 16 faceoffs that he took tonight. Hard to get a total feel for a Gaudet. Only played 739. That is a team low, obviously, aside from Wyatt Kelnick, who left the game uh, early in the first period uh, with a left hip injury. Jeremy Cowton said after the game, uh, I just lost a tweet because I am a hack. Uh, he, I said, he said that there is no timeline on him, which is generally coach speak for we don't like what we saw, but we'll tell you more tomorrow. He didn't say no timeline. He said, I don't know the timeline. So that's a little bit different just to be just to pit Nick pick knit a little pick bit because, uh, uh, you know, we, didn't, we used to be Joel Quinville like he'll be out a bit. And I just I always love when Joel Quinville would say he has a hip and we're like, we know, Joel, he has two of them. Please elaborate. Yeah, one of them is no longer attached to his body. All right, we don't do this a lot, and I feel bad about it. We need to do more emails, so I'm going to do an email. Do we? Yeah, I think so. Uh, right. More emails. This season would be one. I don't think we've done one all year. So I got one, I got an email during the game here from Chad. He says, hey, guys, another loss and sad performance for the Hawks. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on tonight's Nashville game. For me, the Cowton experiment just isn't working. The team is just getting worse. They constantly look confused, lose coverage, and are extremely inconsistent in execution. The biggest thing is there's just no chemistry, especially on offense. That has to lie mostly at the feet of the coach. 
Another thing that sticks out is there's no passion in their game. They get pushed around, rarely play physically, and just want to try to pass the puck into the net. You guys have been pretty good about holding Calton accountable. It's about time the Hawks front office does the same. Cheers, Chad. Thanks for the email, Chad. And I think you share uh, the sentiment of a lot of people. And I know like we're all irritated right now, right? We're all mad. We're all annoyed that the Hawks are losing uh, these huge games that they need to be winning. Um, and I'm, and I think James and I both do our best to, when we do these post games right after the game, it's hard to not just react with raw emotion. Mm. And I'm, I'm constantly aware of that when we do these podcasts. Um, but it's really hard to be like, to not say like, what's, what's, what's something has to give here. There's just too much of the same thing happening over and over and over again. It does seem like, like you said, it does seem like they keep trying the same thing and expecting a different result. I believe that's the definition of insanity, if uh, memory serves. Um, I think the chemistry thing, I could probably see that being the case when you have a team that has lost some guys to injury at various times this season and obviously has been operating the entire season without Jonathan Taves and Alex Nylander and a couple other guys who have been in and out of the lineup. It is a little bit harder to get chemistry going, especially with such a young team. So maybe that can be part of the reason that has happened. But I think Jeremy Colleton has done himself no favors by tending to break up quality line combinations at times that he probably shouldn't. I think maybe he's fallen into the Joel Quenville syndrome of try something for the sake of trying something, i.e. playing five forwards on the power play kind of thing. Mm. Um, so I'd go with that. But And in terms of the passion argument, I always hate to kind of go there because it always could potentially be calling into question a player's effort level or something like that. And that's te- that tends to be something, Jay, I think you and I kind of try to avoid on this podcast. But I definitely notice a lack of zip in the Blackhawks game at times. I mean, we alluded to it tonight. You even said the first five, ten minutes of this game, it looked like the Blackhawks were still in their suits in the dressing room. It didn't look like they'd even taken the ice yet. So yeah. I-, I do think that the the level of intensity I'm not going to say effort I'm going to say the level of intensity has been lacking especially early in games and then it seems like there are times where it kind of ebbs and flows especially in the second period of games and so I can see that you need a consistent 60 minutes of intensity every single night you can't afford to take a shift or two off here and there to kind of save your wheels it's just not something that is going to work so I do think that Chad at least has a point on that front but again it's so hard to get into the nitty-gritty of whether a team is trying hard or not yeah it's a tough thing to just say and I think part of it might be too knowing how big the game is you've got a a lot of young players who might be feeling the pressure of trying to win these big games and get in the playoffs. So there, like we've said earlier, there is so much, there's so many things that factor into how a team performs. I don't think it's a lack of wanting to compete. When I look up and down this roster, I don't see anybody that's like, Oh, well, he's not a competitor, right? Like the only guy you would say chooses not to compete sometimes is Patrick Kane. And that's fine. (laughs) Keep, keep like leading the team and scoring and being one of the best players in the history of the game. And we can live with an occasional shift off here and there. Right. But when you look at the rest of the roster, it's guys that play hard. It's guys that try hard. I think some of the mistakes you see are mistakes of hesitance, which is very natural with young players. We saw that a ton from Adam Boquist earlier in the season. And then as things got, as he started playing more 
and getting more ice time, you saw those nerves sort of dissipate and he started to play better with more instinct. That's going to come with time. I just want it to come more quickly than it's going to real quick. By the way, I want to, before we wrap up, there's a quote here post game from Connor Murphy, who on the second goal of the third period had to leave the ice immediately because his helmet came off. Correct. And that's a rule. So here's his quote. It's really frustrating. I don't really like that rule that you have to leave. You take yourself out of the play. Obviously, you're not knocking your own helmet off. You get in a battle, and sometimes their guy is going to try to push his arm around your head, and it ends up slipping your helmet off. That guy ends up getting a free path to the net to score. I need some clarity on that and how much I can stay in. Maybe it's worth taking a penalty and keep playing because it's crazy to let a guy go to the net and score. If you were just watching on TV and didn't see the replay, that's exactly what happened. Murphy's helmet comes off and he has to head right to the bench. Well, guess what? There's no one to defend now. And that pucks in the back of the net. So Connor Murphy frustrated with the rule and maybe the interpretation of the rule is the better thing to say. Cause I've seen a lot of guys this year, lose their helmets and, and stay on the ice for at least a tick. Mm-hmm. Right. I would, I think if I'm him and I'm in that situation next time, I'm just taking a penalty. <sighs> I, and I hate to advocate for a guy to obviously stay on the ice and to potentially run that risk, but it's not the dumbest thing I've ever heard, man. Like, it's it's a very astute point by him. I feel like there almost has to be a better way to deal with it than that, but they're just – you can't stop the play when a guy loses their helmet. I know they do that at the, with the collegiate level, yeah. I believe. And with the goalies. I, yeah, I just I don't think that that's something that you're going to be able to do for the NHL, and then that then it leads it to what the hell is the solution? Like there just doesn't there doesn't seem to be one, unfortunately. And I do kind of understand where Connor is coming from with that. Yeah, it's definitely a frustrating situation for a guy like Murphy who takes pride in his defense to have something like that happen and then immediately lead to a goal. Uh, frustrating, frustrating night for the Hawks. Uh, good news for them is they get two more chances to take down Nashville this week. Both of those games will be at home, so that's a good thing, too. So I don't have to hear that annoying friggin' chant about it's all your fault and you suck. It's like, oh, my God, grow up. Grow up as a fan base. <sighs> Sorry. I'm fine. I'm fine now. Everything's fine. All right. Your uh, new laptop will uh, cuddle you <laughs> as you go to sleep. I hope so. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Huge week for the Hawks. We're not going anywhere. We will be along with you uh, every step of the way. So keep it uh, locked with us. Make sure you rate, subscribe, review. When you subscribe, turn on those notifications so as soon as an episode drops, you get notified. Until next time, for my partner, James Navo, I'm Jay Zawoski. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, Dr. Squatch, and by the Sits In Law Group. I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co host of the sports podcast Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.